Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right, who is ready to get into the Word this morning? That's what I like to hear. That sounds good to me. We're continuing on with our series on Word, the Transformational Conduit is my title for today. I will explain what a conduit is later, although I think mostly everyone knows. Yes, pretty sure. Good. Hey, let's open up. um, Let me pray for you, and then we're just going to dive right in. Father, I thank you that before there was anything, the word was there. Lord, I thank you that when you spoke, the spark of life was lit. And so, Father, I just pray this morning, would you ignite each one of us, Father, to have a deeper revelation of what it means that your word transforms us. Father, I pray that you would release transformation in every area of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll open your uh, Bibles to John 1.1 or open your app to John 1.1, whichever one suits you. This is in the Passion Translation. Starting in verse one, it says, in the beginning, the living expression. Now, word, what this means is it's a form of a self-revealing or a message, not just a sentence. So the living expression, the word of God was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together face to face. Interesting, I read this in the footnotes of my Bible. It says right there, there is no Hebrew word for the presence of God, only face. So face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. What this is saying to us is that the word which sparked creation is Jesus. The living expression of God was present before and during creation, and not only present, but through this word, everything exists. Word of God was the linchpin that brought the earth from a dark and formless void into the Garden of Eden, the paradise. So let's talk about what a conduit is. I just wanna read it. It's a channel through which something is conveyed. Lightning is attracted to metal, travels through it. You get the idea. His word is the transformational conduit. So I was going to pull out a birthday candle sparkler from my birthday last week, but as I'll explain, I got a little too afraid to do it. So when I was a kid, my parents might remember this, we, we used to do sparklers out in the driveway every 4th of July. And my birthday is on the 3rd, uh, so you know I always have fireworks for my birthday, which is pretty cool. So when I was a kid, I loved, I loved sparklers, but I remember one year um, we lit it up and I was spinning it in circles, sort of like a ribbon dancer. Does anyone remember what those are? Oh my gosh. Can I see a show of hands? Who knows what a ribbon dancer is? Oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, no, you have no idea. Um, So I was spinning it around in circles, and all of a sudden, all I remember is this white hot heat on my scalp. It was just like like a fire. (laughs) And I was running around, I was just beating my head, because I didn't know that, you know, I was was on fire. And it was at that moment that I grew to respect the power of a conduit a little bit more. Because the fire travels down that that sparkler, 
and it has the power to dazzle me or flambe me, <laughs> depending on how I handle it, right? The word of God is the transformational conduit given to us from God. If you know his word and you've allowed it to become a part of you, then you are connected to life. Open your Bibles again to John 15. I'm gonna be saying that a lot, so I hope you're ready. Hope your fingers are all warmed up and ready to go. Um, John 15, Jesus is talking in verse one. He says, the words, this is verse three, let's hop there. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit. So your fruit, your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Hop on down to verse seven. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Now, I wanna share with you another little trick I learned in Bible school. If you read the scripture backwards, it hits different. So I'm gonna read it to you again, that verse, verse seven, but the other way around. Whatever you desire will be done if my words live powerfully within you and you live in life union with me. So his word living powerfully within us connects us in life union with him. It is the transformational conduit for our soul. So pause on this because I just want to address some of the things in the room because this is a very popular doctrine these days. We all like to talk about it, that God wants to give you your dream, that your purpose and your destiny is your dream. And whatever it is that you want to do, that's what God wants to give you. Doesn't that sound good? Just feels good coming in the ears. Like, I mean, God wants to do whatever I want to do. God wants to give me whatever I want. Oh man, that's just awesome. Lord, I'd like a milli. A million, yeah. But I want to talk about this. Do you think, do you think your dreams have been changed or altered by his word living in you? So if you didn't know Jesus, what would your dreams look like? Now, some, a lot of you have been with Jesus for a very long time, so I'm gonna help you with that. What would your dreams look like? Try looking at the person uh, who isn't Jesus, who you are most critical of. Projection. If you look at the dreams in other people and things like that that pop out, most of the time our dreams are gonna center around money, influence, and things that we want that are gonna make us feel powerful and pumped up, right? Because when we don't have our identity rooted in Christ, we're gonna, we're gonna seek solace. We're gonna seek our identity in, in things that are what we have, what we can do, and what others think of us, right? So we're going to try to kind of project into those things that will make us feel powerful and protect those things that make us feel worthwhile apart from God, right? So let me take this a step further. Has anyone heard about the Supreme Court landmark decision regarding Roe v. Wade? I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, I, I might tap dance here just for a second, if that's okay. Um, First off, 
I had to take a vacation from social media. Has anybody taken a vacation from social? Can I see your hands? And I think that we all have the same reason, right? It's because all of a the sudden, there are like straight up warriors for women's rights on my page everywhere. But here's the thing. It's all people who haven't really spoken about women's rights up till this point, right? I haven't seen any, any posting advocating for women unless it's about abortion being limited. I just wanna say, for the record, abortion isn't just a, a women's rights issue, it is a human rights issue. Let me go a little further. We're Christians, we follow Jesus. And you wanna know, know what Jesus did? He championed women. In a culture where women were dehumanized and treated as possessions, Jesus empowered women. Who was the first evangelist? The woman at the well. Jesus encountered her, gave her a prophetic word that changed her life. And what did it say in the script that she did? She went into the village and she took everybody from that city to Jesus. That is textbook evangelist. The first evangelist for Jesus when he revealed himself as the son of God was a woman. Take it back some more. Jesus was brought into this world from the seed of a woman. Mary had an immaculate conception. She became pregnant out of wedlock at a time where the consequence was to be stoned to death. She must have been a pretty exceptional woman. But we already know this, right? Because out of all the people on earth, Jesus chose this woman to carry the word of God into the world. So think about that, the word being wrapped in flesh and, and, and closed inside of a human body. She carried that within herself. And when she arrived at Elizabeth's village, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped, recognizing that Mary was carrying the Messiah. So the baby in Elizabeth's womb, also miraculously conceived at old age, right? Responded to the newly pregnant Mary. So if you had any questions about scriptural context for where life begins, there you go, you're welcome. Women's rights should be extended to all women, not just those outside of the womb. So I brought up Roe v. Wade because we appropriately have been celebrating and, and focusing on protecting the lives of the unborn for a really long time. Our church has such a rich culture and history of doing that. Janet Porter sitting in the front row, champion for life. I mean, I... I proudly tell everyone I know that she goes to this church. <laughs> um, but I wanna take this from a different angle because a lot of times we're talking about just the lives of the children, but do, do we have any parents in the, in the congregation today? If you've had children, let me see. Okay, did it change your life when you became a parent? Just a little bit. Did it change your dreams? Did it refocus your desires? Come on, were you all of a sudden focused on someone else's needs other than your own? <laughs> Come on, I mean, oh yes, I'm still in the first act of that, but yes, for the rest of life. <laughs> but if you think about it, when you, when you first have that baby, it's so fresh in my mind. Me and Ashley joke all the time, because once we had three, we're like, why were we so freaked out about the first one? They just sleep a lot. 
Um, but that, that first time we had the baby in the living room, I remember sitting there watching, just thinking, God, you've trusted me to make sure this thing doesn't die. What do I do? <laughs> so for the whole first year of Josie's life, because uh, I was home in the afternoon and Ashley went to work. When she napped, I wouldn't leave the room because I was afraid like she'd roll over and not be able to breathe. So I just sit there and just stare at her. <laughs> Becoming a parent transforms you. So how much more does being born again as a son and daughter of God transform you and your dreams? That's why I think when Jesus says that he'll give you whatever you desire, he knows that once his word is living powerfully within you, your desires are going to start to reflect heavenly desires, right? What you wanted before is gonna shift and adjust to be something more Jesus-like, Right? So the dreams in his heart that, that he has for you and that you dream together, all of a sudden this beautiful partnership starts to happen and you have this remarkable transformation where you're able to see beyond yourself and realize that I am sowing my life into something beyond me when I allow the word of God to live powerfully within me. So the candles Ashley got me, that was the whole train of thought that I got on for my birthday. They're the, the sparkler candles. And I was going to light one for you, but I was afraid. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I don't want to light it. It just might light my hair on fire. And you guys would never let me live that down. <laughs> That'd be a real. Um, but you see, this candle was created with a conduit built into it, a wick, right? It's, it's, it's a channel that conveys the power of the fire, right? And before it was shaped, a candle, my birthday candle is what I'm picturing red. Built within it was a potential to carry fire. And so the word of God in you is the wick that carries his fire in your life. The word of God written on your heart is the conduit that the transformational power of God travels on. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And Ezekiel later says, in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart with new and right desires and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart and give you a new obedient heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. So let's dig into this. This is something I'm really excited about. The, there are two words for word of God in the New Testament. If you know I'm saying with me, logos and rhema, thank you. Logos is used over 300 times and rhema comes up about 67 times. If you wanna read more on this, I found a great article from a blog, it's called Bible Study Notes. But here's some examples of logos in scripture, okay? This is so you get the idea of what the difference between the two words are. In Matthew 7, 24, you don't have to turn here, just listen. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings Logos of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Mark 4.14, the sower sows the word, Logos. In Luke 5.1, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word, the Logos of God, that he stood by Lake Genesaret. I think I said that right. Tell me later. John 18.32, in the saying, and it's the word Logos, of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying 
by what death he would die. And the last one, Acts 6, 7, then the word, the logos of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Okay, so you get the idea, right? So it's, it's, a, it's the word of God, conveys his instructions, conveys his intentions and his heart and who he is. Now for Rhema, th- this is gonna help. Mark 14, 72, we're, we're catching up with Peter who has just denied Jesus three times. It says the second time the rooster crowed, then Jesus called to mind the word Rhema. Which remember, this is a prophetic word that Jesus gave to Peter. He said, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny, you'll have denied me. Two times, you'll have denied me. And when he thought about it, he wept. So go back further. Uh, Luke 3.2, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word, the rhema of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. So... In this next chapter, Jesus is speaking about his word living powerfully within us. And he said, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words, the rhema that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus abides in the Father. And through his word living powerfully within us, we abide in Jesus. Acts eleven 14, I'm coming in for landing with my examples. Who will... Who will tell you words, rhema, by which you and all your household will be saved? This is kind of critical. A rhema word is a word that generates action, words that are a conduit for the reality of heaven to invade your current circumstances, right? And last one, John 6, 63, is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, the rhema that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So Logos is the written word of God, communicates his instructions, ways, like I said. And Rhema is a now word. The Greek translation means that it has been uttered by the living voice. And Jay's take, it's a word that releases transformation and affects earthly realities. So I wanna give you an example of, of the two. It's a difference. Um, so in Psalm 118, six through seven, then I promise I'm gonna get into a really example you can picture with your brain. It says, now I know, Lord, that you are for me and I will never fear what man can do to me for you stand beside me as my hero who rescues me. I've seen with my own eyes the defeat of my enemies and I've triumphed over them all. That's a powerful scripture, right? You know, the Logos and the Rhema, they're married together, always in agreement and equally important to each other. So the now word isn't more important than the written and living word that, it, that it's breathing on, right? We, when we read the Bible, it's a living, it's a living thing. When you, have, if you've read it before, you're reading the word and the, the love letter from God revealing who he is to you. But there are times where the spirit will quicken a verse to you that will speak to you exactly where you are and release revelation knowledge in your life about what God is saying and doing in you. And that is the power of the marrying of the, of the rhema and the logos. Now, I just read you Psalm 118 because I wanted you to get that picture in your mind that I'm never going to fear for you stand beside me as my hero who rescues me. I've seen with my own eyes the defeat of my enemy and I've triumphed over them all. Here's a rhema word for you. So last year, my daughter Josie was hanging out at a friend's house and she's, a little, she's been a little skittish and nervous about dogs. And the, the person she was with, well-meaning young kid said, you don't have to be afraid, it's totally fine. And he opens the door at the moment where the babysitter isn't there 
and these three enormous dogs. I don't even know what they are. What are they, Ashley? Bulldogs, pit bulls, huge, huge things. I mean, I only know because it's the only time I've been around them. They're like those kind of dogs that come up to here and all years. <laughs> and you're like, please don't get close to me. Don't touch me. <laughs> no. You just feel like you just got a coat of hair on your leg and like some like, you know, residue and now you've got to change your pants. Those kind of dogs. So those dogs, they came bounding out and they, sur- they surrounded Josie and they pulled at her shirt. Not mean dogs, not, not terrible, but Josie had a traumatizing experience. It, it, she wasn't okay after that. Um, when we picked her up, it, it took us, it didn't take us long to realize that there'd been a real transformation in her. Um, she used to love to go to the playground. Um, she wouldn't go anymore because she was afraid of dogs. Um, we couldn't walk up and down Stephen Cindy Street anymore because the dogs had, na- the neighbors had some dogs that were fenced in. Um, and by that, I mean like she would, she, she would not be able to do it. Like she would freeze up in full-on anxiety, like panic attack. It's not just like I'm afraid of dogs. This was something that was affecting her life in a really dramatic way. Um, I remember one time I, I got home with her after um, not going to the park or we had to cancel some outdoor event because she was too upset. And she was sitting on her bed and she said, dad, she's like, I know, I know that I shouldn't be afraid. She says, I know that the dogs aren't going to hurt me. She's like, but I just can't, I can't control the way I feel. She said, this anxiety comes on and I know it's not, I would, I wish I could go back to being normal. She said back to, um, the way that it used to be when she could go to the playground and go outside. So, me and Ashley, you know, we're just, we're doing what every parent would do, right? You're, you're, you're praying with your daughter, you're, you're talking to her, you're trying to walk her through this. And after a while, you start to realize, okay, so maybe counseling and therapy would be a good thing for her, right? Um, and hey, no stigma with therapy. I think it's a powerful tool. I think it gives you tools for communication. It's really powerful, right? So I'm not, I'm not downing therapy, but, but Therapy has like a twinge of sadness because you, you recognize, particularly outside of Jesus with anxiety, that this is something that I need to either medicate or learn to cope and live with, right? Because in the world, there isn't some transformational cure that can be released to make you stop feeling this way, right? It's something that you have to process and walk through, and I believe in the power of those things, but Josie was in that place. We were going to start to maybe take her to um, a really great therapist we know. Um, But we went on vacation, and I have a confession to make to you, church. I said that we heard the word of the Lord and that we were going to fly down to Florida last time I preached. Um, But when I got home from church, I found out that was not to be so, and that we were going to (laughs) drive. So I I hope you forgive me. (laughs) But we did drive. And um, we, we stopped by at some friend's house in North Carolina and we, we got dinner and it was this really cool, beautiful area that had like a playground for kids. So we went out there and we're just hanging out with um, friends that Ashley's known for a real long time. And the kids are playing and her friend's neighbors show up with a dog. It's not a, a scary dog. It's a fluffy kind of hypoallergenic thing, you know, not, not the <laughs> kind, but like, you know, the good kind. <laughs> Sorry if you're... <laughs> Um, and Josie is standing there and I'm fully anticipating that like, we're, okay, we'll have to get our, where's our stuff? We're gonna have to go back to the car. You know, I'll take her, I'll sit there with her. And she's standing here like this. And she goes, 
can I pet that dog? And me and Ashley are like, what's gonna happen? I'm like, God, please don't let this dog bite her. (laughs) God, please. I'm I'm in the intercessory prayer. And Josie just leans over and she pets the dog on the head. And then that dog rolls over on its back and she starts to rub its tummy. And she goes, oh, you're such a sweet boy. You sure, you sure? <laughs> and, you know, she just goes back to playing like it's no big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Me and Ashley were kind of just staring for a minute. And our friends were like, you Okay. <laughs> We're like, you don't understand what just happened. So we explained, and they said, that's amazing. So I take Josie by the hand. After we get ice cream, we're walking back to the car. I said, hey, you know, I'm trying not to pry. I'm trying to get good practice for when she's a teenager. She says that she, says that she should already be treated like a teenager. She's, after all, practically eight. I mean, that's five birthdays away from being a grown woman. <laughs> You know, once you have kids, every movie hits different, especially like what, like the cartoon The Little Mermaid? I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child anymore. And you used to be like, as a kid, yeah, yeah, I'm not a kid, you're a grown-up. But now as an adult, I'm like, yes, you are, young lady. You go back to your rock. You listen to King Triton. What's wrong with you? (laughs) But Josie, I'm holding your hand, so I'm trying not to pry because, you know, you don't want to scare them away. They're like a deer in the headlights. They just... They get skittish and they won't tell you anything. So I'm like, so um, that was cool how you pet that dog. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> and she, um, she says, oh yeah, dad. She said, I saw the dog coming and I felt really scared. She said, my heart started to pound. She said, but then all of a sudden I had this picture of me and Jesus was standing right next to me and, and I saw myself in, in, in that picture petting the dog. And she said, Jesus told me, he said that I could pet the dog because he was gonna make sure that everything was okay and that he was gonna be there with me. Right? Right? And I was like, yes! <laughs> so you can read the logos where it says, now I know, Lord, that you are you are for me, I can't talk. And I will never fear what man can do to me for you stand beside me as my hero who rescues me. That all of a sudden starts to hit differently, doesn't it? When all of a sudden, it's not just something you read. It is something that the Lord revealed and breathed on. It is the word of God with the fire on it. And it becomes a supernatural conduit that releases transformation. Now, this isn't just something that is small. I hope you understand. This has changed the life of our family. We, we don't have a child who is afraid to go outside anymore, who is afraid to walk down the street anymore. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who's ever struggled with debilitating anxiety. If you have, you know what that is like. You know what it feels like to be out of control and unable to do the things that you would normally do. So you can understand what that breakthrough must mean for somebody who it's just gone. It's just gone. No, she doesn't need to go to therapy. She doesn't need to cope. She doesn't need to medicate. Jesus just eradicated it. Mm. Another Rhema testimony, um, and I had permission from my wife to share this one too. <laughs> you said I should. You said, Jay, you should, you should totally share my testimony. 
so I'm going to share it. <laughs> um, so Ashley has had some uh, health, health struggles over the past couple of years, and it, it's brought some anxiety. Actually, one of the symptoms is anxiety. And um, a couple of weeks before Josie's deliverance, um, Ashley got together with some friends, um, Kim Snyder and Shonda Boyce, and they prayed for her. And when she left that prayer session, the anxiety was completely gone. Now, I have to rewind and give it the full, the full scope. The anxiety had like been lifted like maybe six months before that, but she felt it creeping back in. And I'm telling you this because sometimes when we get the victory, sometimes we get the freedom, it feels like the enemy's trying to get a foothold back again. And sometimes you gotta take it to the floor with the Lord and you got to lay a hold of what he's already given you in faith, right? So Ashley sat down as a step of faith to be prayed for and the anxiety has been completely gone. And I believe that Ashley's breakthrough and anxiety was the linchpin that brought breakthrough in Josie's anxiety. Yeah, I believe that a generational door, something, something was shut that ended with Ashley and then ended in Josie, right? Because what God does in you, the words that he releases, that transformational power inside of you is not just for you. It's for your kids, it's for your grandkids, it's for everybody around you, isn't it? You might say, I don't have kids. God's not like that. He know, he, your kids are already like six foot or something in his brain. He sees it all. So let me hop on because I'm getting a little bit losing my time here. Um, the Logos. This is a, a book that I just want to read you this really quick passage from Bill Hamm, and it's, it's called Prophets and Personal Prophecy, God's Prophetic Voice Today. It says, the Logos is the general word that communicates his ability to do something or his general will on a matter, while a rhema word is the word that the Holy Spirit quickens to a specific person for a specific situation. And so he uses the analogy that like Logos is the well of water and Rhema is the bowl of water. Logos is the piano keys while the Rhema is a single key plane. Logos is like the whole body while Rhema is one part in operation. They're in alignment with each other. Now stay with me. Hop over in your Bibles to Matthew 4. Jesus had just been baptized by John. And you need to picture what happened here. He was submerged fully in the water <laughs> and brought up and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove and a big booming voice from the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus has just been affirmed by the audible voice of God. Has that ever happened for you? Anybody? I mean, you walk into your office and say, Bill is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All of you in this company, listen to him and his ideas. <laughs> but the equivalent of that just happened. Jesus was in front of a whole crowd of people and God affirmed him in an audible voice. This is pinnacle. This is mountaintop stuff because Jesus was fully God and fully man, right? So he had to work out and realize and come to the revelation of who he was and how the Holy Spirit operated in him, right? Because if he was fully God and fully man, it didn't mean that everything came inherently, that he, he surrendered all of his rights as the son of God so that he could demonstrate what
what a life looks like in right relationship with the Holy Spirit through God, right? So he worked through that 30 years of, of working through all of this and being ready for this moment to step forward and, and redeem all of humanity. That's a tall order, right? And so he gets baptized and God affirms him. What is the first thing that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to do? It leads him into the wilderness, so at the end of 40 days of prayer and fasting, Jesus is confronted by the devil. Now, keep in mind, the devil isn't coming at this like he's already lost. He is bringing his A game. And you gotta remember, he's a pretty good tempter, Adam and Eve, and a lot of other things. You could list off things. He's pretty good at it. So he's not coming to, to Jesus to be shut down or lose. He's bringing his A game, right? So... It says in, in verse two, that after, uh, in Matthew four, after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely hungry. And then the tempter came to him and said, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just command these stones to be turned into the loaves of bread. He's, he's attacking his identity. He's just got affirmed. The Lord just said who he was, but he's saying, how could you possibly be that? He's, he's challenging that word. Turn the stones into bread. And Jesus responds with the word. He says, the scriptures say that bread will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly goes forth from God's mouth. Do you wanna know what this word is that he just listed there? I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you pick. Logos or rhema? Rhema. It is the living, active word of God. He says, bread won't satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly goes forth from God's mouth. So you see, it's, it's not enough to just try to memorize all the scriptures in the world or to, and it's not enough also to try to be in the, all the worship sets or listen to Mav City on repeat for the rest of your life to be in the presence of God. It means it's the marrying of the both. You've got to have both. You need to have the word of God, the logos hidden inside your heart so that you might not sin against God. And you need the rhema word to quicken that logos to create transformation in your life. You need both. So you can't walk around and prioritize one or the other. Charismatics, we are so guilty of that, right? We, we love the presence of God. We love the worship and we love the rhema. When I said rhema, I felt a palpable lift. There are people in here who was like, rhema. And then you hear logos and they're like, I do the one-year Bible. <laughs> so in charismatic culture, we love rhema. We live on it. We, I, I guess there's scriptural context. Jesus just said we could. But um, here's the deal. We need both. And we need to be reminded that if we've not hidden his word in our hearts, we are missing it. We have this love letter from God. It's a living word. It's a word that leaps off the page, plants itself in our hearts. It is a love letter that God wrote to reveal who he is to us. And we read the logos and it transforms us. And we hear the rhema through the lens of his logos and we are transformed. So when we allow his word to be the wick planted inside the wax, your body, you, his spirit comes and lights us on fire. So anytime... There was ever a disturbance in the force, a glitch in the matrix, where heaven's kingdom manifests on earth. It's always in response to the word of God, right? Creation came in response to his word. 
Jesus, who is the word, said he only did what he saw the Father doing. You see, Jesus knew the word, but he also heard and identified the rhema. When Jesus walked by the gates, it says in the scripture, like if you go through it, you do a study, some theologians think that Jesus may have walked by the gates called beautiful two or three times during his ministry, where that beggar that Peter would eventually heal was, was laying, right? So not saying, did Jesus just skip over the poor guy? No, what I'm saying is that Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing, right? And so is it possible that he saw the Father using Peter to heal this man so that he walked right by because he knew that his healing was coming, right? Just a thought, it's not my notes, just popped in my head. <laughs> but Jesus knew the word. In Luke 4, um, something kind of incredible happens in the tabernacle. I'm gonna tie all this together for you guys in just a moment. Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures and he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. You remember this part, right? And I'll just read you 18 and 19 so that it's fresh in your mind. So Luke 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted and new eyes for the blind and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I've come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Logos, right? Just read it. It's about to become a rhema. Jesus, after he read this, hands it back. And everyone was staring at him, wondering what he was gonna say about it. He was gonna teach. And what does he say? He doesn't drop a 30-minute sermon. He just says, today, these scriptures came true in front of you. And everyone lost their minds. <laughs> a rhema word doesn't have to be a sizzling mic drop sometimes it's just one line that the Lord breathes on and speaks to right when worship we experience that right sometimes the worship leaders we, we will sing spontaneously right you know that but then there's something that happens a phrase or an idea or a melody it doesn't even have to be the worship leader it could be the, the keys it could be the electric but something happens where all of a sudden your attention is fixated on that and you say there's something different about that moment. There's something happening on that melody. There's something happening that I feel transformation beginning to be released within me. And that is because that worship, that prophetic moment went from being logos where it was a song written based on scripture to a very now melody, something that the Lord is communicating and using as a tool in his hand to release transformation, healing, and redemption to everybody who's within earshot of it. Right? So... Rhema, Logos, they are the transformational conduit for the power of God in your life. His word will cross dimensions, blur the lines between heaven and earth. And the message of the kingdom is that Jesus became the bridge between mankind and God. He restored the fractured bond that sin created between humanity. And through his death and resurrection, we now have access to the Father and an invitation for his word to live powerfully within us. It's not, it's not studying more. It's not listening to worship more. It's about connection. It's about being attached to the vine and abiding in him. Let me remind you about two things. I'm gonna bring it in for landing. I don't know if I can get some keys or, or something. We're gonna do some ministry for you. My ministry teams, you guys can get set up too. That's cool. In Ephesians 6, I want, I want you to turn there. So the word of God, it's live and breathing, but when we handle it rightly, they become the spiritual equivalent of weapons of mass destruction 
right? So in Ephesians 6, it says in verse 10, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Now remember what we read earlier, because if you live in life union with me in John 15, and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. If his word lives in you, then you have become a conduit for transformational power. And your encounter, your words, we we touched on this, your experiences with God. Can I say this in love? They're not for you, they're not just for you. I was listening to Steve preach last week and I felt something kind of rare rise up in in my spirit. I was sitting there and I felt like it reminded me of what it felt like when I first stepped into this church about 12 years ago. You see, I've been a part of a lot of amazing churches, gotten to see a lot of powerful things that God has done. Um, But one of the things I've always noticed was you'd come into these services where the power and the glory of God was falling in the room and you would observe and receive and take part. But there wasn't a sense that the people on your left and your right were ready to lead the charge. And when I came into Bethel, I was like popped into this middle of this room where you could feel the energy. You could feel that every single person was not here just because they needed a fix or they needed to be filled up or encouraged. They were here because the Lord had called them here and they were anointed and they were empowered to release transformation wherever they went. And that's still true today. I was sitting in that front row and I thought, well, of course revival is coming to Cleveland Look at the people in this room. Look at the people in this church. It's inevitable. But I was thinking about my birthday candles at the the tail end of this message. Is a candle lit for the benefit of the candle? Is it just this candle feeling like it's fulfilled or it got to shine at its purpose? Wake up. This isn't just for you. You can't keep living your life as though your goal is to get along, get your dream and not offend anybody. Our goal is reformation. And for this transformative word that's planted within us to bring all of heaven's stuff, redemption, healing and adoption in the family of God, here it is. If you can receive the revelation that his word in you transforms you into his conduit of transformational power, then you will eat it you will listen for it. You will receive it and you'll give what you got away. There is an end in the culture of of churches coming, the end of selfish church people who are only in it for what they can get out of it. You are a Jesus follower. You are ready to transform a generation and all you have to do is invite the flame of God to light the wick to light the word within you. No more compartmentalization. No more different versions of yourself once you've been ignited. There's no hiding anymore. Once you're lit up, there's no more work you, church you, family you. His word brings unity into your being. So today is an invitation for ignition as I bring it in for a landing. 
Do I want his word, the Logos and Raymond to live powerfully within me? Do I wanna produce fruit for my Jesus who I'm abiding in? Do I want the spirit of God to light the wick within me that I can bring the transformation? That's the question. If you can stand up on your feet today. We're gonna close out. But if that's you, if you recognize the power of his word, and you recognize that his word has been planted in you, not just in your brain from studying, but from encounter, from history, from the spirit of God coming to rest on the inside of you. You are a supernatural conduit in the hands of the Lord. And all he is waiting for is your yes. All he is waiting for is for you to say, yes, Lord, I will not hold on to my image, to my dream, to whatever I'm carrying. Lord, I invite you to light me up. God, strike that match and light up the word on the inside of me that I might shine in a way that the world will see Jesus. If that is the cry of your heart and that is where you are resting right now, you're saying, Lord, Lord, I've been living my life and I've been trying to live it and, and, and do good and do right and get my dream and be a good husband, be a good mother, be a good friend, be a good sibling. But the times where I used to think about the fire lighting me up and the world being transformed are in my past or a hope for the future, but not my present. The Lord is inviting you today to step into a place where he'll light a sparkler and you'll feel in a good way that white hot heat on your scalp of the Lord lighting you up. So if that's you, I wanna invite you to come up and fill up this, uh, the front of this altar. I have um, some declarations I wanted to declare over you um, that I believe are gonna release transformation. So if you want to go to the next level and say, Lord, light me on fire. I want you to get out of your seat and come up here and fill up this front and I'm going to prophesy over you. As you're making your way out, you can just kind of spread out throughout the front here. I wanted to remind you of an old song lyric that just popped into my mind. It says, redemption, so much better than perfection. There is something that the Lord can do in the beauty of redemption that heals, mis it redeems the time. It's like the workers in the vineyard who came at the end of the day, the Lord paid them the same wage. The Lord is releasing that in your life today. That if you've walked through your life and you haven't been shining the, the light of the Lord, you haven't been lit on fire, he is gonna light it up and it's gonna redeem the time in your life. So put your hands out in front of you like you're gonna receive something. I'm gonna declare some things over you as we close. I feel like the Lord was breathing on these so you can take it as though he's saying it to you. You have what it takes. You are called. You are a ball of fire. You have been chosen. You are not an accident. You are not tolerated. You are loved by God. His word is being rooted in you right now. As you, as you surrender your life, as you lift your hands before him, it is being rooted in you. And his spirit will ignite your life 
and use you as a conduit for his kingdom to come. His word is the transformational conduit and you are the transformational conduit. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for each soul represented in Bethel, Cleveland. Lord, I thank you for the courage and the bravery that it takes to chase and pursue after you, maybe leaving, leaving things behind to pursue you, God. But Lord, I remember in your word, you said that, that there's not one person who's given up house or home who won't see it redeemed in this, on this side of heaven in their life, God. And so Father, I just, I just thank you for the courage to step forward into the unknown. Lord, I pray that right now you would give each person here today a desire for the word that is unlike anything they've ever experienced. God, I pray that you would give them an appetite for it, that you would pull them into the secret place where they kneel before you, Father, and they and they taste of everything that you purchased on the cross for them to have. Father, I pray that those who are struggling and living in sin, Father, those who are still allowing things in their life to steal the joy of salvation from them, God, I pray, Father, that a wave of repentance would sweep this house that is unlike anything we've ever experienced. Father, that holiness and purity would be called forth, and God, that as you ignite the words that you've planted, and God, even those standing here today who would be honest and say that they haven't been in the word for a very long time, Lord, I thank you for the seed. I thank you for the words that were planted in their upbringing, for the word you gave them 10 years ago, for the word you gave them when they were a kid in church, for the words that you gave them in the darkest moment. All of those words will not return void, but will be lit up to reveal the glory of God within them. Lord, I, I just prophesy, Father, that every word that is spoken, digested, received by them, is being ignited and you are breathing your fire like a candle, like fire on a wick to bring light and redemption and healing to the world around them. Bethel Cleveland, I bless you in the name of Jesus that you'd be lit on fire more than you ever have before, that you would remember that this encounter, this, this thing that made you too weird for normal church is, is, uh, is still there and that God is pulling you up. He is reminding you that you are anointed, called, and set apart for the transformation of the world around you. You are empowered and you have everything you need because he has everything you need right now, right here, and he has already given it to you. So Lord, I bless Bethel Cleveland in the name of Jesus. Go forth hungrier than ever and more full of your power than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.